Operation Unknown, Season 2, Episode 4. Big, four. A- Big Apple and Bird. Quattro. How it's the are- Quattro episode. How are you? I am good. How are you? I've been better. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty good. I'm like six or seven seltzers in. I'm and ready. You're, oh, I'm ready. And you're, you're, you're out of a, a communist state? I am. This is our first recording on Operation Unknown. The Big Apple is not in the Big Apple. And Big right, and, and Big Apple is actually in the Pod Bay HQ, the headquarters. Mac <laughs> Daniel's Media. Enter applause sound. <laughs> We're gonna have to start getting like sound effects to throw in the background. <laughs> Yay! Or I could just do them. That's fine. I'm actually pretty excited. We're doing an episode where I know really nothing about other than I bought my car on the same day it happened. And I like flying in planes. And I figured, why not invite someone to help talk us to us about it, who's apparently interested in aviation, who I thought you told me about it, but apparently you didn't. Mr. Joa Wilds. Am I saying that right? I don't want to butcher your name. I'm sorry. Joa? Joa. How are you, my friend? What's going on? It's Good, been how are you? I haven't seen you since yeah. Okinawa, since like 2004 or five. When did you leave Okinawa? Yeah. Uh, May of 05. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a while, 16 years. Yeah, so you just left yeah, a couple months yeah. after I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't too far behind you. In the spring or something? No, I think, well, I think it was It was May when I left. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was May. I was it right may have been like the end of April, yeah. but because I don't remember my official out date, I think it's in May. Because I actually joined in March, and I don't know, I just figured that like, magically i would get checked out of the marine corps and i didn't do any of the checking out and so when it's like time for my flight <laughs> i'm like hey i remember i was like i don't have any of my shit filled out so they had to like reschedule me on another flight and shit so yeah my official marine corps time is like four years and like a month and a half or some shit i'm pretty sure i, I, may, I may have gotten an ass chewing from you and fry about that <laughs> i remember it's amazing when you talk about things like that, how all of a sudden it just remember it. And I remember you're like, Hey, I haven't done any of my stuff to leave. And I'm supposed to like leave in like three weeks. And I'm like, you have to have that stuff done like six weeks before you leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And then you stayed longer. I kind of like you trying to check out all their fucking gear. <laughs> when you leave Marine uh, tomorrow, what the fuck? Right. right. <laughs> so, I so, I was, sorry. I, I didn't want, I didn't want to leave. I was having a good time. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we should start getting into what we're going to talk about. But uh, before we do... There'll be a few digressions. It always happens. Drinking a tropical wine, Corona Seltzer, sponsor, boom, let's do it. Sparrow, what are you... Well, you have you have tropical lime, is that what you said? Yes, I'm reading it wrong. Yeah, tropical no, lime. I, well, I, I thought I heard tropical wine, which I thought well, sounded delicious, but I wasn't aware like, of that just, one. Just like I'm partaking in libations... You know what? Listen, I have I have a little collection here. I have, I just finished a watermelon. Then there's a tangerine, a mango, lemon, and another watermelon of White Claw Hard Seltzer. Not a sponsor yet. yet. <laughs> 
Yeah, I got a few seltzers for this evening. Well, and I was I was drinking out of my new handy dandy Yeti seltzer thingamabopper I got for free. So another not yet a sponsor. Wild Yeti or Arctic? I'll, I'll take Arctic. I see Wilds over there with a pretty hefty mug. Tell me there's alcohol. <laughs> you know, I can't say that there honestly is, but I will say that I did partake in some beverages at my in-law's house before this. And, so there is alcohol in your system. You know, not that it's a prerequisite, but yeah. even for the listeners, it definitely helps You know, get through it. <laughs> I, well, I, I figured there's only one way to do this, and that was with alcohol in your system. So I had to make sure. It seemed like it was like, it's like the rite of passage, right. I guess. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah. If this was all done in person, there'd be some shots and stuff beforehand for sure. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. No, no, I'd actually just switch up. Well, let's do this. What are we talking about today? I don't know. We, we, we brought the aviation expert on, so, or <laughs> enthusiast. All right. So, but I don't want to give you the expert title already. We were just starting. We haven't even heard anything yet. So, maybe, maybe <laughs> we go ahead and start with like the most recent that I could think of. The biggest thing that's happened recently in aviation, in the aviation world. And let's talk about the Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 disappearance. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Sound good since to you? Since, since that's what we talked about, yep. we were going to talk about. Yeah, that sounds good. Actually, yeah, we did come up with this topic like a while ago. <laughs> Don't want to give away the trade secrets. It's weird because as fucked up as this may sound, the only reason I remember when this happened is is because that's when I bought my last car the same day. I remember I was at the dealership and on the TVs they had the whole time. It was just this, this flight that went missing out of nowhere. Other than that, if that wasn't the same day I bought my car, I probably would have already forgotten about it. And this probably wouldn't even be an episode. Yeah, this definitely wasn't a, for me, it wasn't a, I remember where I was type deal. But I remember, I remember hearing about it in the news because it was, a, you know, anytime you have like, you know, whether it's a crash or disappearance, whatever, the, the whole thing with the airlines, especially these big ass fucking planes, there's so many people, you know, it's it, when it when one does go down, you know, it's one thing you, there's a car crash you know, on the highway, okay, maybe two people died or something. That's not going to be national news. It happens all the time. But when you have a 130-car pileup in Dallas, Texas, because they got some snow and ice, it makes the news, and you had a substantial amount of people that were injured and or killed. And so, yeah, you have these big planes with, you know, a couple hundred people on it that just vanish. It's going to be in the news. So, yeah, I, I definitely remember hearing about it and everything, and, it, and the mysterious circumstances around it also made it kind of, you know, stick in your head, so... Yeah, because I, I remember, like, right off the bat, they were just, because I guess they couldn't find it right away or they couldn't find any evidence of it crashing or whatever, they, like, so many people were out there saying, well, maybe it was hijacked by terrorists and they brought it to a fucking remote island and then they're going to use it to do another 9-11 type situation or maybe aliens fucking took it. Who the fuck knows? Well, and that's the thing, too. Ever, you know, post 9-11 world, anything that comes up with a plane, that's going to be your first, you know, thing you're, you're thinking that it could possibly be you know right never before have we just automatically assumed something like that happened right off the bat as soon as the plane goes missing because a lot of people i guess i mean the world the earth is a pretty big fucking place so like if a plane crashes in the middle of the fucking ocean somewhere there are pretty good chances that we're not going to ever find it because it's so big some people there are people out there that don't recognize that and that's crazy it's crazy to me and i know that how how big this earth is and how big the ocean is so like for a plane that big when you're standing next to a giant plane like that like a boeing 777 you look at it you're like holy shit that's a big fucking plane but when it crashes in the middle of nowhere in the ocean and they can't find it you're like how can you not find that that's a big fucking thing like what the hell 
Right, as big as that plane is, the ocean is, you know, that much, you know, many times bigger. Yeah, it's amazing how, really how small and insignificant we are compared to McCity. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it's so big, but yet, in perspective, it's really small compared to not only just like the ocean, but think of even a, like, think of even just a ship out there in the ocean. It's actually comparatively really small. And, mm-hmm. you know, we got these big old oil tankers and aircraft carriers and everything else, and this thing... You know, we get on it and fly all over the world, but yet the big blue sea, you ain't going to find it. That's a needle in a haystack. Right. Yeah, I just, it's just I find it fascinating. You know, something that large, when you're standing next to it, can be lost so easily in this world, you know? But the other thing is, you know, with technology, also makes you wonder, how could it be lost? Well, right. yeah. They, uh, Special guest star. What you find out really quickly. No? What you find out really quickly, though, is there's a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, technology in that airplane, but mm-hmm. somebody very experienced with it completely who knew all the systems and knew everything, knew what they were doing to make it disappear. And that yeah, itself right. is you just... Know, yeah, we can get it. We'll get into that later because I have I have some notes about that actually. But it's just, yeah, it's it's very strange how like, like even today, like, or even when it happened in 2014, like the amount of technology that's inside of an aircraft at that time compared to like maybe like 20, 30, 40 years ago, you would think something like this happening, we'd be able to be like, oh, we'd be able to pinpoint, okay, it crashed within 100 yards of this area or it landed, whatever, you know, but we couldn't couldn't do it. So that's just, it's crazy how like, even with today's technology, something crashes like that in the ocean, we still can't even fucking fathom trying to find it within like a 2000 mile radius or whatever. Well, yeah, and plus all the little, it was just like everything lined up perfectly for it to work the way that it did. And, you know, Pandora's box really opened up that night, you know, because there was, and not just with the airplane itself, but we start looking back, like even air traffic control failed, you know? Yeah, and we're, we'll, I was going to say, we'll, we'll get into it because I think even one of the yeah. things was when they first started looking, they were, they're digging in the wrong place. You know, it was, they weren't even... They weren't even close to, <laughs> so, but yeah, like I said, we, you know, obviously we're going to get into the details of everything, but. So fuck it. Let's do it. Let's start right now. Here, here's <laughs> what we're going to do right now. So flight, the flight, flight 370 took off. It left Kuala Lumpur on March 8th, 2014. And it was. Side note, to- that's one of my favorite words ever. Kuala Lumpur. Kuala Lumpur. And it was supposed to arrive in Beijing, China. That was its final destination. Well, its destination anyway. And. There were 227 passengers and 12 crew members on this flight. So basically, this flight had, I'm not so good with math. What are we doing here? 229, 239. 239 people were just lost. because, And we still don't even know why. We don't know what happened. It just kind of happened where it became this long search or whatever, this long out search. And we couldn't figure out what happened. And we still don't. I don't, I don't think they actually know what happened. I mean, obviously, they have to close investigations eventually. So they just come up with maybe like the most logical explanation. They didn't figure out what happened, and I don't think they ever will. But this this flight was supposed to go from the Indian Ocean, or no, the, this, I'm sorry, the search went from the Indian Ocean to just about west of Australia and into Central Asia, which is a pretty big place to be looking for a fucking plane, if you ask me, let alone anything else, for that matter, because <laughs> that's a large area to be looking for. And if you don't want to get the manpower to do it or spend the money to do it, how are you supposed to be able to find something like this? You know what I mean? And that's the other thing. I mean, those search and rescue, especially large operations like that, ain't cheap. No, I'm sure they're not. 
not that you know not that we're putting prices on well, people's right. lives to go look for them but you know financially speaking for you know especially for poor nations you know flip a bill for a couple mil or a couple bill that's that's tough for some countries to you know come up with so right Kuala Lumpur is probably not the richest country in the fucking world so Kuala Lumpur <laughs> I'm gonna say that every time it's brought up just saying <laughs> go ahead and do that I'm not just take a drink yeah, every time every time we say Kuala Lumpur, you have to drink. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna need more seltzers. Better go get some then. Shit. I'm good. I've got a few right here. So this flight took off at 12:41 a.m. local time. In hello, where did it take off from? At 12:41 a.m. Kuala Lumpur. And they reached their cruising, drink. They reached their cruising altitude at about 35,000 feet, like like 20 minutes later, exactly. All right, so that's. I mean, I mean, that has nothing to do with what's going on here, but I, I feel like that's pretty fast. 35,000 feet, 20 minutes, that's pretty good. But apparently the Aircraft Communication Reporting and Reporting System, also known as ACARS, which I have didn't even know existed. You probably have heard of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah? Okay. So you're from, is it, is it a pretty a good system to, like, show reporting of what's going on with the aircraft and everything, or is it is it shady? Now, I would say it's a really good system. I mean, you can do a lot of stuff. There's so many good systems on these airplanes, especially these days. They can input a lot of information into A cars. They get information in some cars. It's it's basically like a uh, a messaging system for them to talk back and forth to like controllers, and not just air traffic controllers, but like airline controllers. You know, and like say you need even things like or maybe your route changes. You know those types of things, and that's what that system's for. So it's really good. I mean, it's all satellite based. So, all right, so I guess it's fair to say that whatever technology they had inside the plane was good enough for any air traffic controller or whoever else or the pilot uh, when they needed it to be able to communicate with someone else, or at least, if not directly communicate, at least like send some sort of signal as to what's going on. Right? It's not something that you wouldn't yeah, in, basically. There's, it's definitely one of those uh, systems that works for. I can't speak like too too good about it, but it, like there's so many different communication platforms within these aircraft. I mean, you're using like regular radio frequencies, you're using satellite communications, you're using you know an ACAR system. There's a, a thing called an FMS, a flight management system. Plus, you know, like sat phones and everything else. You know, there's multiple redundant systems on how to communicate with these airplanes. Plus, they're always giving off a signal. You know, whether you know whether it's a blip or a what they call a handshake, you know, to satellites. So there's like so many systems that you. I mean, like how, like a lot of these systems, they just talk to each other, just you know, routinely without any you know human interaction. Really, it's just kind of a set thing. Hey, every every fifteen minutes, we're gonna send a ping, or you know, give me a ping, Vasily, one yeah. ping only. You know, so and that comes into play later on in the flight. Right, that's that's one of the key. Well, that's what I was gonna ask. All right, so at one o one a.m. This plane reaches its cruising altitude at 35,000 feet. And then all of a sudden at 1.07 a.m., the ACARS was switched off. So my question is, Is can a system like that, I mean, I'm not sure if you know, I'm just rhetorically asking, but if you know, you can answer. Does Can the ACARS system just shut off by itself or does it have to manually be shut off by it, somebody? And what would be any reason to do uh, that other than, you know. Other than nefarious people? reasons. Well, I mean, other than the plane, if someone was hijacked the plane, they would know the ACARS <laughs> Other than that, I can't understand why anyone else would do it. I, I don't know. I can't speak like if one's ever shut off or anything like on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, you know, all the systems inside the cockpit, you can turn on and off. I mean, you know, that's where the, you know, that's where they control the whole thing regardless, you know. So could one turn off on its own? I mean, anything's possible. But 
I think too many things at this point, you know, this is just the first step, but later down the road, you notice a series of steps are happening and you realize that, yeah, there is some definitely bad happening and somebody's up to no good at this point. So, for all of it, yeah, yeah for all people. of it to be happening. One one thing happening, you're like, okay, whatever, you know, the system sh- you know, shit out on us or whatever. But yeah, when you start connecting all the dots and having numerous things happen, it, it goes away from, you know, oh, this was just a, you know, a malfunction or something to something, you know, more. Yeah, I just find it strange that I thought, because I'm not familiar with like anything that goes on inside of an aircraft. So I don't know, like, is the ACAR system the same thing as the black box or is the black, uh, the black box something completely different? I don't even. Black box is something completely different. Okay. Um, there's a couple of flight data recording systems within these airplanes, uh, and they record everything. There's voice recordings. There's any kind of data input. I don't necessarily know if ACARS goes right into that, but I would I would go to say that it would. But you know, so that way all these inputs are being put in. It knows like all the flight characteristics. It knows speed, altitude, pitch. You know, if you pull the throttles forward, it's gonna you know it's gonna be recorded on this data. Put the landing gear down. You know, if you put in any kind of input whatsoever, it's gonna be. That's going to be on the black box on the on the flight data recorder. I would assume some ACAR stuff goes into that. All right. So all right. So now we know black box completely different. Good to know. Really that not black by the way. That might actually be does the ACAR, do you know if the ACAR, does anyone know? Anyone I didn't research this because I'm stupid sometimes, but does the ACARs record voice communications or is it legit like only just like uh like waves or pings or whatever that go on mechanically or electronically through the aircraft itself. Cause apparently the last community, the last voice communication for many of the crew happened shortly after that. Um, after the, the ACAR shut off at one nineteen AM. And then at one twenty one AM, the plane's transponder, which actually is the thing that apparently communicates with air, air traffic control, was switched off or turned off or shut off or whatever, just as the plane was entering the Vietnamese airspace, like over the. Yeah, because when they were leaving Malaysian airspace, they were saying goodnight to traffic control in Malaysia, and you know, getting switched over because now the Vietnamese airspace control is going to take you know control of the flight, which isn't and that's nothing out of the ordinary that happens you know thousands of times a day throughout the world. You know, yeah, we're going into whoever's airspace now. They're going to take over and keep an eye on you know where we're going and stuff. So, so that that in itself right there isn't out of the ordinary. Them saying goodnight, Malaysia, and then should you know then be getting picked up by you here, right? Right. Yeah, that's 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 when there's an issue. <laughs> so like when they say transponder, are they talking about the black box, or is that still another different thing? So transponder is another. It's a it's a code. I shouldn't say it's a code. It's a radio ping back to like air traffic control. They tell you a squawk code, and they assign you a. I think I believe it's a four digit squawk code, and it's just another way to identify you as that airplane. When air traffic control gives you a flight plan or another thing. They give you a uh, transponder. Uh, they tell you to squawk like two three two nine or something, and you put that in, and it pings back two three two nine, and it tells you, oh, okay, well, this is the Malaysian flight or whatever their squawk code that they use. It's also a way to send silent messages to air traffic control, or maybe not necessarily silence, but look, to let them know that like if you have an in-flight emergency or a hijacking or anything else, you put in that four-digit code, and air traffic. It's a silent way of doing it, or May have another way, and it can not necessarily just silent, but for them to know 
what's the matter, what's wrong. And, you know, if you have like an in-flight emergency, I think the SWAT code is 7,700, I think it's known one for that. That's their, that's their little emergency code to send out. Yeah. Uh, and and that, it, like, do you know if that's something that they could turn off or that has to be turned off manually? Like does like a, a fucking physical human being have to be like, okay, off, or is it something that could turn off because of a, a crash or whatever? Well, I think anything can turn off because of a crash, but the, um, the black box, the black box is just, that's, yeah, no, it can't be turned off, uh, but it won't input any more data into it. Not yeah. after a crash. There's no more data to be input. <laughs> right. Input bang. You can put all this stuff together, but you have to physically turn it on and off. And it's not common practice for anybody to turn any system on or off with regards to all these systems while they're mid-flight going anywhere. You know, all these systems have to work in some way, some shape or form. They're talking to each other. They're all redundant systems. They're backups to backups. They're all doing kind of the same thing, but all also doing different things at the same time. So, you know, it's, there's no reason to shut it off. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no reason to shut it off whatsoever. There's no, no reason. There's probably no reason to shut off any of that shit inside of an airplane. Yeah. You're hijacking it, and you don't want people to be able to see where you are. No, and I right. Think, other other than trying to hide, <laughs> there's if you don't want people to know where you're at, that's the only reason you turn it off. Right. Basically, I don't want to be quoted, but I'll put it out there on the airways anyway. But I think that happened with 9/11 too. I think like I think the one that crashed in Shanksville. I think they were they changed the transponder code. And all that too, and it was also another way too that like if you know what you're doing or not doing, air traffic control says, "Hey, squawk one two zero zero," and you don't do it, there's something wrong. Right. I don't know. There's just yeah. So like, why anybody would shut all that stuff off? Why they would shut off you know a cars and all that? But I think what really truly happened was is I think they just shut off all the power to the airplane. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that though? To not know where your location is, to not send any signals where you know there's multiple redundant systems that are giving off not only GPS signals to satellites, but ping codes to transponders. Instead of going through the whole breaker box, finding that one that you want to turn off, you just turn them all off. (laughs) You turn them all off. And then, you know, at the same time, you know, there's, believe it or not, that 777 has a a windmill is basically the only way I can put to put to you is a windmill that drops out of it. You know, and it's, you know, it can be powered by a wind turbine and give a minimal amount of power why that plane is necessary. But the other thing is, is when you turn off all the power, you're turning off power back to the cabin, turning off all their communications as well, because they have sat phones back there. Right. Um, you're turning off a lot of stuff for a lot of reasons, you know, but why? What would be the reason unless you're, you know, unless somebody's up to no good? There's no reason. I mean, when have you ever been on an airplane, all of a sudden the power went out for absolutely no reason. I'm like, sorry, guys, just had power interrupting. <laughs> sorry, matter. sorry, hit the wrong button. I wouldn't be happy. Sorry, I sorry, I, I unplugged the airplane. It just you know, it doesn't happen that way. Okay, so we have we have the eight cars shutting off or sending its last transmission at one oh seven AM. Okay. We have the last voice communication from the crew at one nineteen AM and then at one twenty one AM the plane's transponder, which communicates with air traffic control, was switched off, as apparently how they say it. Now all of a sudden at one thirty even though all of this other shit is off, Malaysian military and then civilian radar began tracking the plane as it turned around, which I find interesting. Because how come all of these transponders and these eight cars and all the other shit, which actually communicates with air traffic control, is done and they can't see it or communicate with it anymore? But then these, well, I guess the military would be able to, but how come these other civilian radars can see it? And why is it turning around? Why do you well, the whole turning around is the, the biggest question. Again, I'm no aviation expert, but whether you're 
sending out your signals to air traffic control or whatever, that has nothing to do with somebody's radar going out and sending out a signal to detect what's out there. Right. I could be mistaken, but I mean, that's what radar does mm-hmm. unless you're in a fucking yeah. you know, stealth bomber or something that's designed to not be picked up by radar. You're going to get picked up by radar. Right. So like, you know, you can wear all the right. camouflage yeah. in the world and to the naked eye, you might not be able to be seen, but somebody busts out a fucking infrared and you're going to be glowing unless you have shit to conceal the, you know, the body heat. But so. Let's see if I can break it down this way a little bit. Hey, uh, let's, let's back it up to our, our old lives, traffic radar. You know, so basically, you've got your radar going, and it's transmitting a beam out, and it hits a target, and it brings it back, and it does the calculations. So we know that we can look out there and visually identify that that's a car, and it's going a certain speed. Well, that's what the radar is doing. And the transponder code is like the license plate. It's identifying all its identifying information. So when you turn off the transponder code, you're taking away all that identifying information and now they see an unidentified aircraft in a blip, but it's no longer transmitting that it's a Malaysian airlines flight or a triple seven. It's just that there is a flight there. There is a aircraft in the vicinity, but they don't know who or what or whatever. So, so is it safe to say that because that flight was probably one of the only airplanes in the area that they're now putting together. Okay. Due to the time frame, this is, or could have been, the Malaysian flight, even though we lost other translation or transmission with it. Uh, yeah, it's possible, but I also think that there's probably a lot of flights there at night because there's flights going all over the place, all, all over the world, any given time. And air traffic controllers have to deal with a good amount of. I don't know how many they deal with, but those guys are pretty stressed out most of the time. You know, they have like some of the shortest you know, life expectancy, I think, air- for jobs. <laughs> yeah, and like them handing off an airplane, they forget all about it, because, and they have like. I don't know how they do it now, but they used to have like these cards and they would just pass the card off to the next air traffic controller and it would show up on his radar screen. They handed it off and it was a, it was a transition. It wasn't even a transition in the same country. It was to hand off to another country from, you know, Malaysian airspace to Vietnam. You know, it's that's not that's not like a quick phone call. Hey, you know, you know, hey, Tag, you're you're man, you gotta, <laughs> what happened was is these were happening right on the, the invisible radar boundary jurisdiction, you know. It wasn't like they were happening in the middle of somebody's airspace. They were happening right where they transitioned. Right. So they like crossed over to the fucking imaginary line, which pretty much distinguishes what's Malaysian air, airspace and what's Vietnamese airspace. And it's not like they could just right be like, hey, they, they don't have a red phone like fucking Commissioner Gordon did with Batman and say, hey, by the way, there's a plane missing in your airspace. Right. Can you find it? It's not like, say, like a busy airspace like where I grew up, like Los Angeles Center. You know, and you have like 10 or 15, 20 different radar sectors. You know, you're controlling this airplane and it crosses over to the next screen and you give it to Billy and you go tag. He's it. You know, it just, you know, this is another country. Yeah, right. And they probably have whole like a whole different level of rules or regulations or whatever they need to follow their aircraft. So it's not like Malaysian Airlines could call Vietnamese or Malaysia can call Vietnam be like, hey, can you look at this during like this way? Like, no, we don't do that. Well, then how the fuck are you supposed to right. We can do what we can, but oh, and then the yeah, civilian guy. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I see your fucking plane that's missing. Hey, what are you going to pay me? The only way that they get that? even the common thing that they have though is is they use the English language. All air traffic control. It's the official language like, throughout the world. Yeah, it's the official language, especially for uh, air traffic control. Uh, now you'll now you'll run into it. You know, if you go to different countries, they'll still speak in their in their language if they can speak it. You know, but. Other than that, it's English. So they all communicate English. That's why you hear him say, Malaysian 370, good night. Good night, Malaysia. Yeah. yeah. I'm never learning. Has a- I, I actually knew that one. 
but that's when I always get pissed off, though, on my foreign flights. And I'm like, hey, you motherfuckers aren't speaking English, you know, back in the cabin. I mean, you usually get a second or third <laughs> after the translation. But I'm like, um, I think English is the official language, people. But for the pilots and air traffic control they all speak english but which again just goes which goes back to talk about how awesome we are but what no, about international? On international flight, they're like you're like you're like over halfway across the atlantic or Pacific Ocean before, it gets, to, before, before it gets to english yeah <laughs> like, this, is how they, this is how they use your life vest and you're already falling into the water it doesn't make sense luckily i've been on enough flights that i feel i feel very comfortable in knowing the the, the safety brief so I'm usually passed out before we take off anyway but <laughs> so you weren't allowed to be passed <laughs> when i'm not working sir oh, okay good cover <laughs> Yeah, we we ain't fucking deporting anybody anyway now, so who cares? (laughs) I ain't flying anywhere. Except to Utah in April for the one swing. Share the fairway with a hero, which we'll get more into at the end of the episode, but just a quick little plug. We'll do that later. All right, so 1.30 a.m. It's late. Malaysian military and civilian radar, they were tracking the plane as it turned around. The only reason I could think of a plane turning around is because, one, a pilot knows how much fuel he has. And two, he knows he needs to get back to the closest fucking land he can in case of an emergency landing. So that's why I think the plane turned around. Especially if he knew something was wrong with the aircraft in, in general. Especially when he had right. a prepared flight plan already that's already documented and in the system. Yeah. Right. You know, they have to plan those flights out. The airline plans them out for and gives them their routes. There's actual highways in the sky that they follow in actual points that they're supposed to hit. They're basically checkpoints, you know, and... That's all pretty much that's in the system. It's already pretty planned. You know, whatever the reason do you have to deviate from that flight plan? Yeah. Fucking, I don't know. I feel like, because most of the time, I feel like 98% of flights these days are autopilot anyway. They're just sitting there just in case something happens. So the fact that they I think there's something like, like, I think like the systems they have basically can like take off and land a plane, you know, with, you know, on <laughs> autopilot. Yeah, if you're a real fucking lady, yeah, so, I'll give you a fun fact on yeah, back. I'm gonna date myself a little bit, but just to kind of give a little bit of clarification to the reason I am such a big aviation enthusiast is because I grew up around it. My grandparents built all sorts of Cold War era aircraft, some airliners. My parents did too. Uh, you name it, they worked on it in Southern California. So I was around it all the time. Well, back in the 70s, the Lockheed L-1011, which was a three-engined airliner, and it was really big. One of the biggest sell points for that thing was is it could be programmed to taxi, take off. Fly a flight plane and land computer back then. Imagine what can happen now. Right. Jesus. You know, these, these planes are <laughs> so fully automated. So what you're telling me is that soon Elon Musk is going to make an airplane that is completely has no crew. It's just going to fly people everywhere. Well, yeah, he's already trying to make the first battery operated airplane that like. Well, see, and that's my thing, though. That's I'm all for it being automated, but I still want that motherfucker. I don't care if he's asleep with his feet kicked up. As long as some bells and whistles go off to wake his ass up, that he can fucking, you know, jump on that fucking joystick or fucking steering wheel to get my ass on the ground, then cool. But yeah, I I get that shit. You know, you push that autopilot button and it it goes. Yeah, they're they're all in control. And there's always, you know, obviously there's always two of them. So, you know, especially with these airliners, they take it very seriously. Now, generally, depending on, you know, they have all sorts of different circumstances, but, you know, after they take off and they're up a little bit, they just hit the autopilot. And then, you know, a lot of stuff is, is you 
know, they just input it with a dial. You know, there's, you know, the autopilot system, it's, you know, the air traffic control and tell them turn right 270 and they just turn the dial and it goes in the plane. And the plane going. does everything else. Yeah. It's a video game. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm a big, uh, I do do a lot of flight simulators. I well, that's one of the things on with computer. the, with the pilot, if I, I may be jumping around, but you know, and I I guess it wasn't unusual for pilots to have like flight simulators at home. Cause you know, why not fucking practice when you can but am I, am I doing a good segue or am i too early maybe too early <laughs> all right whatever anyway right, so the pilot he, he he had a flight simulator at his house yeah just yeah, saying we could, yeah we could actually get into that too but yeah he did have a flight simulator You're right they do they practice it you know they're professionals you know right look at it. this this individual you know the actual pilot and i'll probably jump too far ahead too but you know he had eighteen thousand hours of flight experience that's you know? a little bit that's of time insane <laughs> I think I've, I don't know. I don't even know if I've been alive for eighteen thousand hours. Have I? <laughs> but then, if you think about it, you know, and once we get into the pilots too, but you know, his his first officer only had like two thousand seven hundred hours. You know, so and he wasn't even certified on the triple seven yet. That was his last training flight. I could have flew that fucking plane two thousand hours. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, yeah. and you know, speaks to you know the conspiracies and whatnot. But then, okay, is is this you know seasoned vet of a pilot? Does he want this boot next to him? So if he wants to do something hinky or fucking you know New Jack in the in the seat next to him isn't going to question too much because I've got OG experience next to me. If fucking you know if Sergeant Major tells me to go fucking do this, I'm going to go do it because I'm fucking PFC. You know, so you know that again that that's diving into the the conspiracies and stuff but yeah if you're gonna try to do something shitty why not take the the rookie with you and see you know yeah, you're not gonna get as questioned as much right you ever do that in okinawa <laughs> what? Like, oh yeah look, let's grab one of these central bubba's and let's go do something crazy and they're new and that's it that's how billy and i met you know, <laughs> next thing you know he's running out of the, one of the haunted buildings on like Tory station or something I don't know. <laughs> love it all right so at 2:22 a.m a Malaysian military radar lost contact with the plane altogether over the Andaman Sea. No idea where the fuck that is, but it's called the Andaman Sea. Probably near Malaysia. The weird thing to me is I have absolutely zero fucking knowledge about anything aircraft related except for that it turns left, it turns right, it goes up, it goes down, and I can sit in it while it does all that. Is that apparently there's this satellite that's in geostationary orbit called the Inmarsat that was receiving hourly yeah. pings or signals from that flight until eight o'clock in the morning. So for like a full seven hours, apparently this plane was still flying around. I'm assuming it was still flying around. I don't know if those signals can go off still after it crashes or not. But if it hasn't, do you like a flight from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing? I, I have no idea how much, how much fuel it would have. Would it be able to fly around? For seven hours like that, just and why wouldn't the pilot? Oh yeah, was flying around for that long, try to look for some fucking land to like emergency land. Well, and that's you know again that goes into the you know all the what ifs. But I, don't, I I did watch I don't even know what it was called, but some little documentary on it. But that's one of the things that they were they talked to some. I don't know if it was a veteran pilot or it was somebody with like Malaysian Air or whatever, but they were asking him, you know, do you, do you think this plane was just, just flying until it ran out of gas? And that's essentially what he thinks happened. So whether it was a depressurization in the plane that freaking knocked everyone out or, you know, something like that. And then the plane just kept going because that's, you know, that's what happened to uh, the golfer Payne Stewart. 
You know, I mean, they sent, yeah. you know, jets up next to them and, you know, they were flying next and that plane just went until it ran out of gas because everyone on board had passed out from lack of oxygen and obviously died. But the plane just kept going until it ran out of gas and so that's one of the things one of the theories with with this flight is and again yeah you have a big ass motherfucking plane like that you're going to be loaded up with fuel for instances where hey you get to the airport hey buddy you're gonna have to fly over a little bit we're backed up you know and then it turns into okay well you know i've got two hours of fuel or whatever you know but you always have that extra fuel so that's why i said you know in the documentary they very well may have been just flying you know it may have been a ghost plane for hours you know everyone on board may have been dead but that plane was going to keep trucking until it you know didn't have the the, yeah. the gas to keep going that specific I plane, like, uh, the pilot knew 9400 miles yeah they can go how far 9400 miles on a tank of gas yeah, you know <laughs> and you got, you got sevens. i flew back i flew back and forth on triple sevens from okinawa to los angeles here i'll put a real bad plug in my brother two weeks ago flew from denver to hawaii on a triple seven and it just happened to be that same triple seven that blew that fan blade over Denver. Oh no! Like shit. three days later. Yeah, he was like, I was on the right side and everything. He showed me. Everything. I was like, holy cow! I'm glad you went on that plane. Yeah, no kidding. That's insane. But they could fly well, for a long that, time, and you gotta think, who knows how far that that plane would have gone? You know, if it if it was completely filled up. Now, granted, they don't like to fill them all the way. They always have a reserve because you gotta think, with if you fill a plane, if you fill that plane full of fuel and you only fly it like an hour, that's a lot of weight, and that's a lot more. I was gonna say, yeah, because fuel fuel equals weight for the flight. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're not so gonna you're not gonna top off, but you're gonna you're gonna have enough to get you there and then some. But yeah, you you don't want so much that it's you know cumbersome to the. I mean, it's not like airlines and whatever have smart people that know math where, where they can figure. All right, well, you're going from here to here. You should have this much fuel at least, and then we'll give you this much extra plus the weight of everyone. Oh like, yeah, absolutely. If it's a full plane, you know, like. So I don't. I mean, I didn't. Oh yeah, because they have retarded, and I didn't even think of this. But I look to see how far Kuala Lumpur is from to uh, Beijing. But I feel well, like it, it's a far flight. I it, mean, you would you would think this plane had a a pretty good amount of fuel. And see, you can see Wilds is typing, which is something you could very easily be doing yourself on Google. But you refuse to Google. You want other people to Google for you. I don't know if there's an official term for that, but I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to coin it and I'm going to enter it on Urban Dictionary and the 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 Using it in a sentence is going to involve you not wanting to Google for yourself. Anyway, I, I, I digress. I have an out. I have an out. I have an out. I have to this setup. This isn't my oh, setup. Oh, it's no, you, you don't have your phone with you? It's currently leaning on my last seltzer. It's leaning on your last seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll backtrack real quick. It's 10,000 actual statue miles. It was like 9,400 nautical miles for the 777 flying tank of gas. And from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing, Kuala Lumpur, says, drink. yep, drink, uh, 2,347 miles. So if it was filled up all the way, they, you got to think it's they could have gone there and yeah. back a few times. <laughs> wow. All right. So, all right. But how do we, can we even determine the amount of gas? Let's, let's say we're not accounting for Kuala Lumpur to Beijing, Kuala right? Lumpur, drink. So let's say the rest of the rest of the get the reserve. How do we equate? the amount of gas the plane has to how how long it could fly. So well, like, they know how much they know how much was in it when it took off. Well that's what I'm saying. No, they know how- it was full. The plane, the last signal wasn't until seven hours later at eight AM. So could it fly that long before oh, yeah. and why wouldn't the fucking navigator or the pilot or the co pilot be able to navigate back towards some sort of fucking landmass to emergency land? I don't understand Well and then that goes to well what if they're not alive? 
But what if, I guess it, but what, hey, man, we could what if this shit all day. You want to do that? If something was wrong with the plane, wouldn't you think the pilot would turn it off autopilot so that it couldn't just do that because they just died? Well, if there was something wrong with the plane, wouldn't he communicate with somebody via air traffic control, an ACAR system, a transponder code? <laughs> uh, a oh, wait, those plane. are all turned off. <laughs> or, even, or even the fact that the, the co-pilot's phone pinged off a cell tower in Malaysia. And if there was something really dangerously wrong, too, wouldn't everybody else's cell phones in the back, you know, somehow you can still communicate. Let's be honest with ourselves. These cell phones aren't going to bring airplanes down. We're past that. It's right. just that we're not it's getting courtesy not there. to be on your fucking phone talking to somebody. It's, so, is that, you know, as soon is, as you land, what's the first thing that happens? Everyone gets on their phone and it's annoying as fuck. Yeah. Here, here fun fact. If you have an app like Waze, like I used to use all the time, you know, the GPS app, turn it on while you're flying once. It's hilarious. You, you know, you start skipping roads, doing like 400 miles an hour and all that. Well, it like, even if you don't have your phone on, it still like tracks you, right. you know, like, yeah. you know, it, yeah, it's, it's still tracking you on your on your trip back to what you just said though my question is is, all right let's say something weird happened where some sort of carbon monoxide happened or because of the depressurization or whatever everyone just passed out and died if the autopilot was on shouldn't in theory this fucking plane still went go straight to beijing it shouldn't have just landed or crashed or whatever it did well yeah the fact that it turned around somebody somewhere had to turn that plane around. Right. Not necessarily that in the was, cockpit. That was human input. Somebody had to physically put in those inputs to control that airplane, whether they did it by autopilot and just turned some dials or they hand flew that airplane. That was physically inputted in. That wasn't, I don't think for one second, it, and all the even the, all the aviation experts say, you know, somebody was in physical control of that airplane because even down the road further, the way that its flight pattern was was very mysterious, and it had to be all hand input. It couldn't have been it couldn't have been an autopilot because you're right that autopilot would have been on that flight path in that trajectory, and it would have gone straight to Beijing. There's no way. And the, and what you were saying before is if it was an autopilot, the way the, the technology is in 2014, I guess it, it, even if everyone was dead or passed out on that flight, autopilot would have landed the plane in Beijing. Yeah. Now, is yeah, it technically? It absolutely could have the right inputs. It absolutely could have landed in Beijing. Now, is it too far fresh, too far fetched to like think that somewhere or someone out there, because of all the computer technology that is on these planes these days, was test using this flight to test hacking into it and then trying to like use it as a drone via? Their- I know that's like one of the theories out there is like hacking into planes because they're. There is so much technology involved with planes now. Does it make it susceptible to some fucking some right. motherfucker in his his mom's basement hacking into? Right. Do and you want was, to play a war game? You know. This, so and was this plane oh, it, the yeah. person's test dummy and didn't? Maybe they were able to hack the plane and fly it around, which is why it flew around for seven hours. But they weren't able to see anything regarding how much fuel it had. And then all of a sudden, it just crashed. That's why we could see the signals until 8 a.m. Not we. We, as, a, as, as if I'm in the fucking ATC seeing shit. But you know what I mean? Like, they're seeing these signals until 8 a.m. And then all of a sudden, it just stopped. Maybe whoever did it, if they did do it, they could have hacked the plane, flew it around. Like, hey, look at me. I'm flying a fucking plane around with people in it. And then all of a sudden, it just stops. And like, oh, fuck. I couldn't see how much fuel's in it. Maybe it crashed. 
But if you're, uh, if there's, if there's such technology going on that you're hacking into a plane, you're going to be able to read what the fucking fuel gate says. I think. I would think if, well, if you're taking, if it's the first time around, maybe you can't. I don't know. I don't think you're. I don't think you're trying to guess what happens. I think it's a good theory, and I think it could be absolutely done. And I think it's very fearful that Air France flight that left uh, South America what, a couple years before that, or maybe around the same time. And then all of a sudden it just got blew up over the Atlantic ocean. They couldn't find it for years. One of the things they thought was, is that got taken over by a hacker control like that. I think, but, uh, you know, yeah, was that before or after? I, Cause I do, I remember that one too. Cause I think they actually eventually found the black box on that one. I want to say like years later. Years. Yeah. And unfortunately with that one too, when they went down there and found like the wreckage, you know, the sad state with that was, is they actually found the people still in the sea. Right. Down at the bottom, and then right. when they tried to bring them up, they they were preserved down there. But when they tried to bring them up, they were falling apart. So they decided yes. to leave them down there. And pre- but they said that was a hack. They they had a fear of a hack for that. But they also said that if that's the case, you know, we didn't want another nine eleven. We don't want airplanes being taken over and flown into things. Yeah, I also wondered, right, an airplane and just fly it straight in the ocean. Yeah. If you were to even physically take control of an airplane, just like on a flight simulator, these guys just don't fly these flight simulators and go, oh, here, let me take a 10-hour flight from Japan to L.A. No, most of these guys get a flight simulator and go, oh, look, there's my house and end up crashing. You know, what about that ground crew guy that took that flight in Seattle a few years ago? He was like, he just took it unauthorized and flew it and was like, oh, hey, this is fun. I think I can do a barrel roll in this thing. He did a barrel roll and crashed to an island out there. What's to say? I mean, look at us with drones. Yeah. Look at us with the drone technology. We got guys in Nevada that are flying drones in Afghanistan. You know? <laughs> when you actually when you actually think about it, passenger aircrafts these days are drone with the the autopilot oh, yeah. capabilities that you you're talking about and that we see in movies or whatever. It's literally they're drones that people just sit in. You know, maybe the pilot decides he'll oh, yeah. take off, and then like two, like a hundred or not hundred, but maybe a thousand feet off the ground, boom, autopilot. That's it. And then the plane takes care of the rest. So it's technically oh, yeah. a drone that we're just sitting in. And they, uh, one of the, the guy was talking about it, a pilot, when his engine went out 200 miles from Hawaii, he says, we get so accustomed to autopilot. He goes, he encourages pilots to actually hand fly the airplane more so they do in case it happens. You know, they're, they are, they're really well-trained. Hats off to them all. They're all professionals and they go through hundreds of hours of training and safety training and fire safety records really good. But it's scary though, that it's a possibility that these things could be hacked and got into. And, you know, I mean, the government knows it, CIA knows it. The possibilities are endless, you know, especially the more and more technology comes into play. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I find it strange that like something like this could happen. And then with all this technology going around, people just, they don't know what happened officially don't know what happened they can always speculate as to what happened but like this this flight took off on march 8th it wasn't until what i think i saw something where april 6th an australian ship was apparently detecting several acoustic pings that they thought might have been from this flight recorder or the black box right so i mean i guess apparently the black box is like damn near indestructible right so i guess it makes sense that uh, something yeah. this a month later almost could be still sending pings out and it was because yeah, I, I know there's i know yeah, there's I a think, i think the there's an alarm or something and i think i don't know if i can't remember what it is but on the flight recorders it sends out uh i think it, i don't know if it's the elt which is the emergency uh locating transmitter it sends out a ping and i don't know if it's i think there's even a few that are activated by salt water the ones in the black boxes i'm misquoting it but i think they last like 30 or 40 days giving out. I know that I know there's a, there's a timeline. They have a, they have a 
life expectancy of how long they last, which is fairly long. But that was the thing, I think, with the the flight we were talking about earlier off of the coast of South America, that it was getting close to, or it did expire, where they, you know, you you, you have so much time to be able to, where it's actively pinging to be able to locate it. But yeah, if you have a rough idea of where it is, you know, even if it dies, you can still try to get down there and look for it. Yeah, it's supposed to set off for a good amount of time just because for specific reasons like this, for right. specific reasons of cracks, you know, in the middle of the ocean, you know, or in, you know, unhabitable areas. Of I was going to say, or it could be a mountaintop or some shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, like Wild said earlier, the, the black boxes actually aren't black. They are that bright orange, hunter orange color, again, to be, you know, easily seen, whether it's, you know, the depths of the ocean or a fucking mountaintop or jungle, whatever. So just, just saying, the, the name is misleading. Right, and you saying that they last about thirty to forty days or whatever. That's why they think that the the signals that this Australian ship were getting was from that towards like the end of its battery life. So I guess it makes yeah, sense. It's, it's that, could be yeah. have been receiving those signals from that flight. Yeah, it's not too it's not too out of the realm to be like, oh, you know, oh, this was you know a month afterwards. It couldn't be from that, but yeah, it very well could have been. You know, still kicking off a signal saying, "Hey, come find me." Right, and a lot of people after but with that this came out it, because of the A cars and the transponders being like basically turned off. That people were like, "Well, that has to be hijacked. There's no way that those would turn off without it." But I don't know. I mean, maybe like a hard crash somewhere, it would it could turn those off. It's they're not the same as the black box, right? They're not as protected, at least anyway. I don't think. At least I don't think. You know. But all those no. things were turned no. off. And they were still being, you know, picked up on radar. So, which is why a lot of people so, thought maybe it was hijackers that turned them off. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. If a if a plane crashes, the transponder and shit's going to turn off, obviously. But yeah, if but when all the stuff gets turned off, and then you're then you're still picked up on radar, you're still in the air. It's you're still flying. Right. And, and, and but that's you know the the biggest mystery of all for all of it. It's just, it, it nobody knows, man. I mean, there's so many ideas theories conspiracies freaking whatever you want to call it that there's so many unknowns that you can spend forever in a day what if in it bottom line it's it's gone and hasn't been found which is just in and of itself freaking crazy well until july 29th 2015 when apparently the first piece of debris from that flight was found which they did find Apparently on this French island called Red Reunion, about 23 yeah, miles yeah. west of the Indian Ocean area that was being searched. It's like, you guys were way off. <laughs> <laughs> Samsonite, I was way off. Unless over the year, four months that they were looking, it literally drifted 2,300 miles. But I, I mean, I guess it could. Well, I mean, you you throw some shit in the ocean, fucking messages in a bottle, man. You know, I mean, the shit, you know, the ocean's moving. <laughs> it's stuff, stuff floats around yeah. out there. See all yeah. the current models. I don't know if you guys saw that or not, but they did like this analysis. They've been doing it for years, like oceanographers, but they have like 86,000 current models just for where they thought the plane supposedly crash and how the drift happens towards africa how all that just how it right and that's and that's simple, just yeah. for where they thought it was now if you know if, if you're off 100 200 miles you're gonna have totally different current patterns that could take you to fucking antarctica or what you know i mean so it's that's that's the the, the hardest thing about this stuff is that if you don't even know where to if you at least had you know hard evidence of where to start yeah you could start trying to piece things together with the current patterns and stuff. Okay, it went down 
approximately this time, approximately this location. Okay, let's look at the the current patterns. And okay, it may have drifted this way, that way. But if you don't even know where to start fucking looking, you're fucking you know spinning your wheels. Right. Yeah. Well, the, your initial look was, is, you know, if you think about it, was the South China Sea. You know where it did the turn. That's where they initially started looking, and then they started to get all the other data. Like, hey, wait a minute, we had a plane that wasn't transponding anything, and then we have a satellite that. Its sole purpose is to monitor the engines, and it is doing handshakes with the engines and telling us how they're running. It wasn't meant for search and rescue operations or where to find it, but it just worked out that way when they could do the telemetry and everything. Right. So one thing we know is, you know, it was still being flown, it was still being controlled, you know, to some input, some degree, and when it got past Indonesia. But after that, you know, I think... You kind of have to go with the science on the on the handshake pings, but at that point, you know, even where the, how they said that the like that piece that landed on Reunion Island, the flapper on from the right side, a lot of experts say, hey, it didn't crash that far south with all these current ocean models. It crashed a lot further north. They some people thought it was going to Christmas Island, you know, like, or crashed somewhere near Christmas Island, which is way farther north than what they thought. Right, and even like in the next year and a half, they found another twenty-six more pieces of debris. Apparently, that were all over the place. I mean, they were in—I guess—out of all the places they found them, technically they were in the same general area in Africa. So, like, they found pieces in Tanzania on the shores of Tanzania, Mozambique, South Africa, Madagascar, and Mauritius. But apparently, they they found these pieces of debris all up and down the African coast and. Apparently, they were able to distinguish or find out that three of them were positively identified as coming from that flight, and that seventeen yeah. of the other ones were thought have you know come from that flight. Which makes me think, like, okay, if they thought they came from that flight, how many fucking planes crashed that we don't even know about? And they just, oh, well, this might be from this one. I don't know. It might be from another plane. Who knows? Who cares? It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. Like, but at least, I mean, I guess it, it did crash. So that we, I guess, that much we know from what they found. But then or was the debris planted to make you think it crashed? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Why would any government do that? Well, you know, Why would, well, why would Malaysia cover it up? Why would the government keep hush about it in the first place? Why would they not give out the information? That's true. So apparently two pieces that they found, they came from the cabin's interior. And they were saying that because of this, right. the plane broke up. Like it, it had broken up. But they weren't sure whether it did it in midair or whether it was the impact with the ocean that did it. And I guess I guess there really is no way of being able to tell something like that, especially at that no. level, you know, or whatever. No, well, you know, some of the other conspiracy theories too was is there was a uh, there's some truth behind it, but when you start to add to it, like they had like a big old thing of lithium ion batteries on them, and then that doesn't mix well with air travel. Uh, that's happened many a times. So could have something happen? An event happened up in the air where. It started to fall apart. Absolutely. What about the fact that they? Well, that was yeah. That's that. one thing. Like they had like a shitload of lithium batteries on there. Yeah, and yeah, and you hear every now and then that because now yeah, you're not even supposed to like. I think you could take them in a carry on. You're not supposed to have them in checked luggage or some shit. But it's got to be the battery can't be plugged in or whatever because there is that that issue of it overheating and stuff. But yeah, that was that was one of the things that I had heard is that there was a cache of batteries on there. But I also wonder too, why would you put a huge cache of lithium ion batteries if they still make you like, have you seen those new luggages where they, you, it has a battery for you to plug in your smartphone and they're like, you got to make sure it's unplugged while it's on the airplane? It's like, well, right, but did they start doing that before? Stuff. Did they start doing that before or after this flight? That's a good point, but I think, you know, I'd have to look and do some research on when lithium ion batteries 
you know, basically came out and let alone went, but they did start affecting airplanes. It became a no, no, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, well, even, uh, yeah. Cause, so like what I do for work, there, there are some products of ours that people send in that have lithium batteries and some don't. And so like if a customer sends two of one that have them and two of one, uh, one that doesn't, we have to, pr- we have to print two different delivery notes because apparently the ones that have the lithium batteries cannot go on passenger cargo planes or passenger planes. They have to go on cargo only planes or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. So I guess flying a fucking cargo plane, a rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. Sorry. I'll plug it. You heard it right here. The, um, communicating a little international relate foreign relations. There. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, but you know, one of those things ion batteries. Why else? Why else would, you know, but there was also this thing where it took a deep, they say that it dove right into the ocean and it broke up into millions of pieces and they have theories behind that. But yet this big flapper on piece, you know, the aviation experts are coming back saying it looks like it was a water ditch landing because of how, you know, Wait, it's not there, there was like, there wasn't as dove. much damage or something. Yeah. Yeah, we've done, you know, they did with a Swiss air accident. One of the guys did a Swiss air accident. And it was like 2 million pieces and there were none banned. And yet they got this 30 foot flapper on. You know, right. so, you know, it was like a water ditch landing. And but think about this. It could have been a water ditch landing. It could have been a lot more. Where would you learn about a, a good, safe water ditch landing? Uh, Sully proved that he could do it in the Hudson. So, right. you know, and, and that was before this. So, I mean, there's a lot of conspiracy theories with that. Yeah, just I don't, I don't know. I find it weird that they after stuttering the flap around, they could they could just come to the conclusion that the plane didn't undergo a controlled descent. And my only question about that is, is OK, well, what if it did? But because of the impact with the ocean or the water, it made it look like it didn't go under a controlled descent. You know what I mean? How did they, how can they determine that? What, what you're hitting up the ocean at that speed? Anything could happen, damage-wise. I mean, it, it, for all we know, the pilot could have been doing all right, and then all of a sudden, bam, something happened. And they hit the ocean and just made everything look like it wasn't a controlled descent. I mean, am I wrong in thinking oh, that? Yeah. Should I should I expect them no. to be like, okay, no, it wasn't. No, a controlled I think anything was fucked up. Or wasn't fucked up, you know? I think anything's plausible at this point. And like a lot of the experts say, I mean, we just don't know enough. He could have, you know, that plane could have been going straight down and ripping apart as it was going straight down in the water. It could have been a controlled water landing. It could have been uncontrolled. Uh, we just don't have that data. That's why the biggest crucial part, and we would learn so much more. And almost every, we'd have almost a lot of the answers is if we could get the black box. It's going to have two hours of voice recordings on it. It's going to have all the flight telemetry data, every input that was put in, everything. You know, the black box is the biggest piece. And unfortunately, until we have that, we're going to have, we're all going to be, you know, spitballing here. For You're going to have to go to Diego Garcia to get that motherfucking black box because that's where that plane's at. Just saying. I heard it landed there, but I also heard the U.S. shot it down. <laughs> well, and that was that was the thing. Like you said, earlier, you said they're like, you know, well, why would what if if you know if the government if if Malay why wouldn't Malaysia just come out and say that this this and this? Well, what if it isn't the Malaysian government that's got it? But and that was the other thing. The documentary I watched, they were I think it was like the the defense minister of Malaysia. They were giving them shit, you know, how how could you let this, you know, at the time, unidentified because the transponder's down. You know, you you have radar saying there's a plane flying over your airspace that you don't have identified. You know, why didn't you send up jets to identify it or something like that? And he, he said something, he's like, would you expect me to shoot it down? You know, who would do that? The United States of America. And I was like, whoa, hold up there, buddy, you know, but... But yeah, that Diego Garcia is one of the conspiracies. That's what I don't think 
Billy had that in his notes, not to poo-poo on well, Billy's notes because he takes copious notes. But that was one of the, the theories I had heard. Well, you know, if you look back, if you backtrack real quick, you notice that when on the flight path, he kept crossing over the Vietnam and Malaysian airspace as it's written on maps. He followed that line and he didn't go directly into a country. So say that like if you're coming directly into a country and you hit what they call the ADIS, Alert uh, Defense Identification Zone, there's like a, I don't know how far out, but there's a line. If you cross that line coming into the U.S. and the ocean and you haven't identified yourself, they're scrambling jets and they're going to come after you. Right. But if you're just, it's like a direct threat and you're just crossing that, if you're just staying on the border, one controller doesn't know who you are. The other controller doesn't know who you are. They're not talking. They're like, okay, whatever, cool. And not well, I mean, all they, military planes. There's news stories of, you know, Russian flights fucking, you know, buzzing Alaska and shit, you know? I mean, it it happens without shit getting shot down, you know? And Indonesia had their military radar shut off that night. They're not even going to mention that, you know? Right. They're like, oh, we didn't have this going on. And then when they're heading directly for India, as soon as it got towards Indian airspace, it turned directly south. Mm-hmm. What's 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 south from there? That's semi. I mean, if you get, you got to go a long ways, but you're going to run into Diego Garcia at some point. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't too too incredibly far off from there. But did you get you know, there from one a.m. to eight a.m.? <laughs> Possibly. Well, and there was, I don't, I should have looked it up again before this, but there was somebody, I don't think, I don't know if it was an American, but there was somebody on the plane, supposedly his phone like pinged within the Diego Garcia area, which isn't real big to begin with, but like after, you know, like months after this, like his cell phone and it, there was like a text message supposedly sent or something saying, "Hey, we're being held." There, there's uh, yeah, there's I all kinds of shit, but but supposedly oh. like they they like tried to trace the phone. And you know, like if you know, like I have like Live three hundred and sixty, so we can track our fucking eighteen year old while he's out driving around, see where he is. You know, and it's not a fucking you know to the inch you know GPS right. pinpoint, but it gives you the general location. Right. And so there was that kind of thing where it showed him. You know, they're near the island, and again, it's not like there's something close by that he's. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it's showing up near Diego Garcia, you're on Diego Garcia. Yeah. So yeah, especially with all those cell phones, and there's hundreds of these things on the airplane. You know, everybody's got a cell phone, right? And, you know, in my in my line of work, um, on my side with emergency management, and then also being a deputy commander for search and rescue team, I got people that go missing. We're paying cell phones, you know? right? And, we, and again, it's not going to put you square on them, but it's going to give you a pretty good pretty darn close but they're yeah like so you, you know you track your your son with it and you know there's multiple recruiters when i was the boss i was able to track my recruiters because i put the app all on their phone and when i said where are you at right. and they tell me oh i'm at a high school and it pings in a park in the parking lot because they're sleeping in their car yeah right right <laughs> now the um i mean you still got to follow the science. I mean, you know, there's still the handshakes from the satellites and all that, because, you know, at one point, some people were saying in theory, it was going to Kazakhstan or Kyrgyzstan or something like that. And, you know, it was, they were going to use it for another nine 11. There were some people that even said that it was the MH 17 flight, which is a total different ball of wax, mm-hmm. which was the, the Malaysian airlines flight that in June or July got shot down over the Ukraine. You know, that's, that was one. Yeah. And, and I mean, this can turn into a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> a whole other shit show. That yeah. was something that, yeah, like supposedly whoever got this flight and then like, yeah, flew it over and then it ended up getting shot down. There's, it's a fucking rabbit hole 
in and of itself. Oh, yeah, and there's enough the government show. conspiracy too. It's crazy, and Malaysian government doesn't want to. They, they don't want to get punched in the face with this stuff, so they keep it all hush. Right. Yeah. And just like anything else, we talk about and stuff in the show. It's you have an airplane that went missing. Nobody knows what the hell happened or why. And then all of a sudden they find it. You know. So apparently March 2014, the plane goes down. It wasn't until July 18, uh, July 2018, that the Malaysian government was like, you know what? We're done reporting this. Here's our final report. Mechanical malfunction was deemed extremely unlikely, and the change in flight path probably resulted from manual inputs. Okay. Whatever. So why the fuck would they do that? Nobody knows. Who the fuck knows? Some people think that the plane was remotely hijacked. Some people think that there apparently was two Iranian men that were on the plane who did it themselves. But it comes to be that apparently they were just trying to seek refuge somewhere else. And that's why they were on the motherfuckers are trying to get to Mexico and just come on up because that's the way you do it. You know, others suggested that there were cracks that formed in the plane's exterior, which does happen. You know, we don't hear about it as much because probably they don't go. Well, I don't think cracks in the exterior fucking turn your plane around either off its flight plan. Even if if it does happen a lot, you probably hear about it because the pilot's able to safely land or whatever. They don't just missing. You know, and others have even uh, suggested that the pilot sabotaged the. But okay, all right, fine. The pilot wanted to fucking off himself. He took everyone else with. But then you got the crazy people, you know, us, who (laughs) apparently think that this part of the world has another Bermuda Triangle. Okay. Oh, yeah. not, not too far fetched, but <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll entertain that idea. Others think that aliens took the plane because yep. why not? <laughs> hey, what better fucking place to grab a bunch of human beings you want to study than a fucking airplane in midair? Hey, yeah, look at that. It's like a fucking, yeah, they're fucking a can of sardines, man. It's easy pickings. And then you have the, the 1%. People that thought <laughs> or think still probably that this plane made it to the fucking moon. And those are the same people that think Hitler is on the moon with Elvis and Tupac and Walt Disney. So here's a, no, I think we can add another theory to this. Hear me out on this one. Might be on the same Island with um, Tom Hanks and Wilson. Was that Castaway? (laughs) Wilson! You heard it. You know what? They could all be on reunion Island. Mm, No, you know what Island that is? That's Epstein Island. Yeah, I went there. I went there. We don't know about that island here. Does that one really exist? I feel like, I feel like if not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> I feel like if that island did exist, and I'm pretty sure it does, they should just move everyone off of it and blow it up. Yeah, it should become a bombing training ground at this point. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. But yeah, Malaysian 370. Nobody knows what happened except for the pilot. We didn't solve anything, but we want to keep it unknown. That's what we do, you know. And actually, just not thinking about what I just said, nobody knows what happened except the pilots. Just think of the passengers on that plane, not knowing what the fuck was going on. Could you imagine? Right? No, I can't. I can't imagine. Well, that's you know, it's it's a middle of the night flight, so half the motherfuckers are probably, you know, majority of them probably sleeping and probably never woke up. Right. And again, that again, that's that's a lot of times why I try to sleep on planes because I'm like, if this fucker goes down, I don't want to be awake for it. I just assume assume go to sleep and never wake up and be like, all right, cool. If there's one theory that I can stick with, and you know, it just totally makes sense to me, is is, you know, obviously he made the turn, he followed the the right radar trajectories and all that to not be caught. Apparently, this pilot was like super. He want he wanted to know everything. 
And like you said, you know, the guy goes to the back of the cabin, you know, the first officer, hey, go check on something. He locks them out, depressurizes the airplane. They all go hypoxic. You know, they only got like 15 minutes of oxygen because it's supposed for them. They're supposed to get down to a safe altitude. Where I was going to say, it's supposed to be where they can yeah, drop below and but the pilot be able to depressurize. So he can put on, he can lock them out. They all go hypoxic. Nobody can do anything. He flies this route because there's still manual control. There's manual control for a long time, you know, and there's still inputs. There's satellite handshakes. I mean, I mean, I mean, you really, and, but the thing was, is now, now add in the Microsoft flight simulator where he, they say it's a breadcrumb now, but you know, that's what Malaysia says because they're hiding it. Right. But flew almost that exact route on his flight simulator a month prior. And they're saying, oh, that was just, that was just training. It, that was just training. You can't tell me that was training. I, I don't, I don't train to fly my airplane in the middle of the ocean and practice water ditching. Sorry. It doesn't, I, guess, I guess just like going to flight school, just to learn to take off. I don't, I don't need to learn to land. It's, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how anything else because we're never going to land. So I'm just going to just learn. Yeah. Okay, Show good. me how this shit works. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess with everything that happens, especially being a foreign country and they may have different regulations than we do, we'll just, I guess we'll never know what happened. And uh, there's nothing else we can do about that except for talking about it and maybe theorizing about what happened or what could have happened and maybe talk about what other crazy fucking stupid people think happened. Moon. Seriously? The moon? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you one thing. It did not fly to the fucking moon. I, I'll, I'll go. I'll stick my neck out on that one. <laughs> Elon was involved. It didn't go. There's lots of people out there doing this. You know, they're still investigating. You know, a lot of bunch of bunch of you know scientists out there investigating this that are independent. We've got some really awesome theories that none of the government want to take seriously. Right. And it, it because the French are still investigating it. The French are still investigating it because parts landed on their island, and they had. I think they had some citizens on there as well. So. Yep, I hear you. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess it is what it is. It's just another, like, tragic fucking story where a bunch of people lost their lives, especially, you know, now that we know or think it crashed, and, you know, all the debris they found could have been fake, could have been manufactured or whatever. But regardless, I can't imagine these people, this plane was hijacked and moved to some fucking remote island for bigger plans later on, and, you know, like maybe 10 years from now. And then that they didn't just off these people, you know what I mean? They, why would they keep them alive? They would cost too much money to beat them and whatever. So even if something like that was happening, where hijackers took over the plane, parked it somewhere because they wanted to use it later on, why would they babysit 227 people? You know what I mean? It just sucks. Like, there's nothing else we can do except for talking about it and try to figure out what happened or what might have happened. And that's it. That's all we can do. There's um there's some stuff with that too. If you think about it, just even I mean, can your mind not even go back to thinking of like that TV show Lost yeah. or like Lord of the Flies? Reaching, but yeah, that's you know you think about it, these planes crashed on these islands. You know, I mean, heck, they even made Gilligan's Island. A boat got stranded out there on a three-hour tour. Man, are these people like all a three-hour tour? They're all living on an island. I mean, like, I don't know. It's crazy. But, you know, I mean, it's pretty possible that, you know, it's safe to say that it crashed. There's pieces. They have serial numbers from that airplane. So. Yeah. I guess what it all comes down to is at least, I guess we could say we're lucky enough to be in a country where the regulations are a little bit better than most other countries. And at least we can say we've been lucky enough to be on as many flights as we have been. And we're still breathing and we're here to talk about this flight. So, I mean, we like to joke around. We like to fuck around, but I know I know some of the shit we do talk about is real life, and people did lose their lives, and it sucks. It does, but at least we're still here. We're, we're able to talk about it. We can at least try to bring it up to people to think about, so that these people that did lose their lives aren't just like forgotten. You know, we could at least still like talk about them, even if we don't know who they are, and keep them, you know, in our thoughts 
whether it be the whole thing, the bigger picture or whatever, because I know some people obviously probably knew who these people were that were on this flight, which I feel for. But yeah, man, I mean, it's a crazy situation. It happens. But, I, you know, sometimes there are bigger stories than others. And this was one of them. They definitely need to find some closure. You know, it, it doesn't matter how it turns out at this point, especially for all them. It's just they don't know. There's no evidence to prove otherwise. Yeah. You know, these poor, you know, these families obviously have probably come to terms with their loved ones are gone. But right, it, like like us, it's it, it gives us something to talk about because it's one of those unknowns. But yeah, I mean, to just to get that closure, even if it is, hey, they crashed over here. Okay, hey, we have evidence that it was shot down. Whatever it is, it's just it, not knowing is the worst thing of anything fucking it goes with this covid shit man nobody knows when it's gonna fucking end that's the worst thing is that they're you know you don't know so yeah it, you want those answers and i mean shit we're going on years it there there needs it, again it's fucking 2021 man fucking figure it out you know fitfo yeah. is like we used to say on the shit show a little yeah. callback but you know it's it yeah it, they, these families have to deal with it every day of not knowing that's you know again we can jump on here have a fucking couple drinks and talk about it and have a good time and stuff but you know they're they're they're, this is you know something that actually happened it's real people real lives and real families that you know deserve those answers and that closure yeah and it would be more you know and if it was we personally had somebody on that plane you know think how we would truly feel you know it would be a lot worse than what you know us just sitting back talking about it right now because you know these poor people you know they lost they lost whatever they lost mothers fathers sons daughters you know we don't have answers for them. We can't even provide them an answer. Right. I think I think they owe it to, to keep looking until they until they've exhausted everything. Yep, you know, yep. I think I think the Malaysian government owes it to everybody. Owes it to all those families too. They never stop searching until it's found. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. With all that being said, at least we're able to like you know bring some sort of knowledge to people that don't know about it or might not know too much about it, and at least uh, shine some those, light on it. Because again, it, it's memories it's, and thought, you know in thoughts. Or thoughts or memory, whatever, however you want to say it. But yeah, I think uh, is a, is a, is an interesting topic, interesting story, uh, especially since we've been we were alive for it. Uh, it happened pretty much all the time on the news for us. You know, just plain if you do a deep dive into it. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> My only question I think I have left regarding Flight 370 is how can someone hear? the story about it on Operation Unknown Podcast. Well, I mean, we do like to bring this up every episode, and I started thinking about that. I mean, technically, they've already listened to it, so they figured it out. But if they have friends, family, coworkers, whoever, if they wanted to say, hey, I listened and learned about this or was brought up some new questions that I didn't think of about this topic or these drunk motherfuckers don't know what the hell they're talking about and you just want to listen and make fun of them, we take that too. They would go to any of the numerous platforms that supply and provide podcasts, albeit your 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 Spotify's, your iHeartRadios. Mm, I think there's even a the uh, Apple podcast or something out there. Speaking of that, if you go to iTunes and want to give us a rating on that, that would be very much appreciative. Five stars are preferred, but uh, honest opinions are even more accepted. Um, so yeah, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you go there and search Operation Unknown podcast. That would be the podcast you just wasted however many minutes of your life listening to. Um, you go there and you know you can listen to us. For the record, 
it is the minute checker, and he doesn't know. So that goes to show you how professional they are. Indeed, indeed. But what if somebody like wants us to talk about something that we just didn't think of or whatever, or couldn't fit it into our season schedule? Mm, if someone has a topic that they would like to suggest, or I mean, when they're not spending their time on Apple iTunes submitting a review, they could submit a suggestion to us at Operation Unknown Podcast at gmail.com or check us out on Instagram, same Operation Unknown Podcast. I am uh, remiss to say I still have not done the Facebook page yet, but it is upcoming. We will be on Facebook one of these days. Um, That's what I'm guessing. What's that? I'm guessing season three is one of the Season three. Our, our target there. No, I'll get it before then. I don't know. One of these days it'll happen. Yeah, freaking. Yeah, we're on Instagram. Freaking like us, share us, prostitute us out, do whatever you got to do. Tell every motherfucker you know about this podcast. I don't care if you tell 100 people and only three listen. I'll take it. We'll take it. We like those odds. Great to hear back from people on the feedback, especially for things like this. It'd be awesome. There's, yeah. I'd like to get theories or questions if they have them too, or. Yeah, because I mean, and just because we did an episode on a topic doesn't mean we won't freaking come back to it and and you know engage it more or bring someone else on. Hey, you know, you know, right. I, I have fucking firsthand knowledge of this. What fucking we'll get you on. We'll we'll throw that special bonus episode up. Hey, we got fucking firsthand knowledge of this or that or you know whatever it is. Or this motherfucker, you know, my house is haunted and you know, I got video of what just happened last night. We're we're breaking news. We're gonna give you an episode. You know, whatever it is man fucking yeah we'll, don't, we'll do it man don't think because you emailed us facebook dust instagram us whatever a topic or something you want to hear us talk about and it hasn't happened yet don't think we're ignoring you because we do have plans we have pretty big plans always planning we're over although although listening to the shows you wouldn't think we had any kind of game plan <laughs> we at least have a plan of what we're going to talk about spoiler alert we do already have big plans for season three even though we're not even halfway there yeah, we're not even. So, yeah, but season three is already in the works. It's already in the works. We already have an idea for it and a plan for it. And we're pretty excited about it. And I'd like to thank Mr. Joel Wilds for joining us on this episode. Yes, thank you very much. A lot of the shit you did talk about aviation-wise, I didn't see anything about research or ever hear about. So I thank you for that. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was awesome. I mean, it was a good time. You know, you, you guys know me. I'm a long-time listener, and every time I listen to you guys. Even I'm, don't be that guy like I've done and heard you guys talk about some conspiracies. And I'm like, wait a minute. I know a little bit about that and didn't say anything. So, yeah, it's been awesome. It's a good time, you know. Because I've got some other stories, you know, that that can relate to some of your previous episodes. I was like, oh, man. That's right. We, we do have this. Yeah, see, again, there's going to be some, not to, not to quote that certain lady at the White House press secretary, but there, we have some things we're going to circle back to. Not to get fluid, but we do have topics we will circle back to. Yeah, like an <laughs> I don't know if that was a complete circle. There will also be surprise episodes that you guys do not expect. That may Indeed. or may not come out on Tuesdays. I know our day is Tuesday, but you never know. You might, know we might slide a little something Thursday, extra in. So. All right. Well, Birdman, thank you again for the 14th town. All right. 14th? Gosh. For, well, now I missed a couple, but I'll, I'll take it. Mr. Wiles, thank you for the first time. Oh, but that's right. Yeah, thank you. With COVID, you son of a bitch. Yeah, and it's possibly running through the house again, so we'll see. Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that next week. Whatever. All right, guys. <laughs>
You guys have a good night, as long as everyone else, and I hope everyone enjoyed listening or learning about Malaysian Airlines Flight 37. Let us know. We'll talk to you soon.